Inspirado Protracto Everything is happening all at once. Everything is happening all at once. Everything is happening all at once. Yes, everything is happening all at once. Here's your fun fact. James Cameron sought Hollywood funding for the movie Titanic, not because he wanted to make the movie, because he wanted to do, dive to the shipwreck. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Listen, I don't have much time, but do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you could put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm. Please get this and find me. Inspirato Projecto. Let's be friends. Okay? Anchor.fm. I just had this revelation. So I think the other day I said something about this, this epiphany. This idea struck my brain, <clears throat> struck ye old antenna. Because um, I was thinking about cats' lives and how long they live. I think I told you I had a cat named Soot, little black panther. She um, lived to be 21. So cats, so animals have that potential. Uh, parrots live, I think, like 700 years or something. Or is that the turtle? I forgot which one. One of them lives very long, if not both. Elephants, I think they live really long, too. Um, which now after hearing myself say that, anyway, see, now I got to go back and, okay, no, I'll just say this. So, so I had this original theory. I thought, okay, well maybe cats, if, if one, what was it? One year to us is seven years to them. At least that's what I've heard. I haven't really done any research. I've just, it's just one of those pieces of information you always hear recycling throughout your life there's lots of information like that throughout our lives that you just you just keep hearing that recycling you just keep hearing it recycled ju -ju 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 -ju. through the decades other people say it they think they're saying it for the first time and you, you know you just don't have the heart to tell them i've heard that about 800 times throughout my throughout my tenure throughout my tenure uh here on earth well i'm taking my earth classes so there are those, there are those, there are those things. Anyways, so one year apparently equals seven for animals. So that's why they apparently live shorter. Well, if that's the case, so you know how like it time time runs relative. Um, to each person, to each person experiences time different. Now, in addition to that, something popped up in my brain where. When we're little kids, do you ever feel like summer took like a year? It seemed like it was like a year of having all this fun. And it seemed like, you know, it was just spread out. You didn't know what was going to happen that day. You just went with it. Um, just being in the moment, there you were.
I'm wondering if time is so relative as to the size of the creature. So that's why when you leave for the store and you're gone two hours and you come back to a cat, that is, do you multiply that by seven? Is that 14 hours? Is everything multiplied by seven? Is that what that is? Okay, so you're gone two hours and that cat actually feels like you were gone half the day. So what happens when we leave for a week? We go for a week. We're out of there for a week. Seven times seven. That's 49 days. That cat feels that you have been actually gone for 49 days. Imagine if, if we put that at the human level, that human feeling. So now I'm starting to wonder if maybe this is why when we're kids... This, this is just kind of something that's just popping in my brain here. But maybe if when we're kids, that is why, like, kids are very impatient. They want things now. They want it now. They want it now. They want it now. They want it now. And there's maybe no concept of time passing. Maybe the more we, huh. See, maybe it's with the ignorance of time passing that time actually extends further? Does that make sense? So by being in the moment, not being aware of any sort of passage of time, you actually are so in the groove, so in the moment, that maybe that's that feeling of fulfillment Maybe it's that, maybe that's, maybe it's not, you know, this goes along with the quality versus quantity type of thing. Maybe it's not necessarily that you have an entire year to play. It's the fact that you did some quality play time within that short three months or whatever, you know, summer break was. But that, isn't that crazy? Summer breaks are only three months long. Yet to a kid, I remember that feeling like a year. So, <clears throat> so... Now I got a few theories going on here. Sheesh. So the idea that the kid is little, is impatient. Maybe that kid, because they're closer to the size of a cat. I don't know. I'm just jamming on. What if? Maybe because they're closer to the size of a cat. That's why, uh, like, you know, we could go along with that seven years vibe so to speak with a kid so imagine if a kid goes i want that candy to go okay you can have it in two hours to that kid maybe it's it feels like 14 hours i don't know i'm just jamming on the what if here now that destroys i, I mean now that's I, I mean see this is the thing is that it's not with every new discovery we come across it's not as if they cannot coexist they can totally coexist these ideas could totally coexist uh, who's the authority of something coexisting or not coexisting? Well, it's ultimately you or the the you, the general you, putting a big U, letter U, the big one, tall one, the capital. So whoever you is at that moment, in that particular moment, they will decide. Huh. They will decide. So as long as you've got an entire culture coming into an agreement, uh, agreements, agreement, agree, agreements with specific things, there you go. I mean, look at this. This is why we got laws in different states and different towns. They say that you're not allowed to walk an alligator on a leash or something like that. And uh, I don't know, wherever I, Alabama or something, you're not allowed to walk, you know, a, a, an alligator on a leash out there. You're not allowed to... Uh, Put a dog on a unicycle over there. You're not allowed to uh, wear shoes with funny faces on them over there. Uh, you're not allowed to park on this side of the street. Uh, you can only park backwards on that side of the street. You know, just every state, every town, everything has got its own laws. And, and that has to do apparently with people. Which, which one... Which one is seen with the most value in it, so to speak, apparently? And then it goes in that direction. So imagine if we see value in 
trying to connect artistic endeavors. We see value in trying to connect various artists with their... Okay, so you have a... How many people out there in the world who've got uh, music instruments or have paints or have, you know, some sort of something that they do, but they haven't done maybe in a long time. They just don't have the gumption. What if you got a bunch of those people together? And then just one person who just helps stir up the pot gets them going. Gets them going. Gets them flowing. Gets them rocking and rolling. Hmm. So yeah, with this whole idea of time, because if a parrot is smaller than a human, how does it, you know, I th- I thought maybe it was relative to the size of the creature, but then you've got a parrot that's, you know, lives to be 700 years old, and they're like they're smaller than a human i was just just sitting here thinking simultaneously like if parrot if parrots can remember all those words there's got to be a way to really teach them to understand how to put those sentences together and what that really truly means. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. So a parrot can put words together, but not necessarily understand the meaning. Or do they? Or do they? Who am I to judge? This cat has listened to me talk all the time. It listens to me talk all the time. Uh, this cat listens to me talk all the time and maybe it's just choosing not to speak English to me. Maybe it knows English perfectly and it just, it's choosing to not speak it to me. Take you on a little trip with me. I know, you just got comfortable. You just got comfortable, didn't you, Howard? You just got comfortable. Oh, I'm gonna go make some coffee. That's what I'm gonna do. What I'm gonna do. Hey, have any of you guys seen? I got two short films that are circulating around right now on IGTV. I don't know if I've told you about them or not. Maybe I have. There's one called Santana Tas. It's a Christmas movie. And then a supernatural. Ecological, <laughs> supernatural, ecological, supernatural, ecological, sci-fi, thriller, cinema. I'm not going to tell you the title of that one. The only way you get to know the title of that one is if you watch it all the way to the end. I'm just kidding. No, but I'm not going to tell you the title. It's much more fun to leave it a mystery. Why say the title right away? You know? Why? Why say the title? Wouldn't it be great if more movies did that? They're just like, The New One by Ridley Scott. Here comes another new one by Paul Thomas Anderson. Another great new Christmas classic. By Wes Anderson. I want to see a Christmas. I want to see a Christmas film by Wes Anderson. Has he done that? World Tenenbaums. Did that take place near Christmas? I cannot remember. I cannot remember. That's uh, so. My plan is to become part of Wes Anderson's regular cast of characters in his movies. That's one of my. That's one of my. I'm putting it out there. This is going to happen. Uh, I'm also going to become a regular. Uh, one of David Lynch's cast, you know, members, collaborators. These are things my future self is doing right now. I am collaborating with Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd 
I'll put it in that way. I'll put it in that fashion. My future now is doing this. How about that? My future now is drinking more coffee. Yay. My future now is connected with purely um, ensemble-minded, cooperative, collaborative, reciprocative people, teams. Gonzo Kitty, what are you doing over there, buddy? Come on out. Yeah, come on out. I'm going to pet you. I'm going to pet you. Yes, there you are. There you are. Hi. He's not out here. He's been getting freaked out by uh, this cat, Zeke, lately. Kitty. Yeah, it's safe out here. It's safe. Everything's fine. Come here. Everything's fine. You know, I've told him that before. And Zeke was out here. It snuck up on him. Scared him. They're not used to, uh, well... Cats, you know, they're like people. People, they're like cats. It's my word of advice for the day. Cats, they're like people. People, they're like cats. What do you think about this, Oliver? Is this true? Hmm? Is this true? Uh, so, those are my ideas about uh, time, relativity. What are your thoughts? What are you, I mean, what are your thoughts? They say time flies when you're having fun, which I could not agree with more. When you're having fun, when you're in that zone, when you're creating what you want to create, and you're moving and grooving, and you got all worked up, and that bonfire is bursting, then fireworks are crickling and crackling. <laughs> those, those waves are a tsunami. <laughs> you know, the train of thought is chugging. Uh. Uh, 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 uh. Et cetera, and so forth. I think we're going to invent a song right here, right on the spot. We'll use the, uh, use the, the uke. We haven't used the uke in a while. Which we start on.
<laughs> there you go, everybody. There you go. And now for something a little more different. First uke song. You heard it here first, folks. The first uke song of the decade. Of the decade. 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 Of the decade. Have you ever heard of uh, Neotech? Have you ever heard about this? It's a series of books. Neo, N-E-O-T-E-C-H. Neotech. There's this book that my buddy Chuck Plath and I Chuck Plath, phenomenal artist, phenomenal character artist. He, I don't know where he got this book. I ended up finding out years later that um, Lawrence August also went through the same book. And we have not once figured out what really is the core root of this thing. This thing, this is only one book, okay, mind you. This has 680, this book alone is 682 plus another 14 pages. Uh, he's got... Tons, 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 tons of stuff here. This is, uh, and he's got a series of books. Okay, so this one is called The Zan Power Discovery. Neotech Power and the Neotech Advantages for Unlimited Prosperity, Happiness, and Romantic Love by Frank R. Wallace. Neotech Worldwide, Frank R. Wallace. Um Okay, well here we go. Here's here's something. Okay. I don't I don't know what this really Here we go. Here we go. Let's check it out. From page 227, which was a, a sitcom back in the day starring some folks from the Jeffersons. If an individual is aware of the misleading nature of poetry, he or she can avoid its harmful effects and perhaps gain some reflective values from certain Aristotelian-based poetry. For example, the following poem, while not deeply intellectual, does aesthetically reflect the soul and character of heroic, innocent value producers. The Golden. They are the rare, the radiant men, the children of truth, the parents of Ken. Pain but strengthens them, pity intrudes, rebuking surprises them, guilt eludes, deception disgusts, and envy astounds, misfortune challenges, malice confounds. They are the open, the honorable, the honest, the just, the vulnerable. With no respect for the twisting of truth, faithfully wed to the promise of youth, they are the pure, the benevolent, the incorruptible few, the innocent. And that is reprinted with permission from Darlene Bridge and Bridgeburg, Bridgeburg Books. Poetical sing-song or hypnotically rhythmic meter are often found in the rhetoric of dictators, evangelists, sibyls, politicians, theologians, mountbanks, social intellectuals, media men, medicine men, hallucinating psychotics, chanting Shiites, and screaming terrorists. Consider how millions of normally rational Germans thrilled and responded to the poetical cadence and charisma of the consummate altruist neo-cheater Adolf Hitler. 
The results are reign of destruction of tens of millions of human beings slaughtered so one important man could indulge his mysticism to feel unearthed power. All that slaughter was for nothing more than to let one neo-cheater feel a pseudo-self-esteem. 20 million dead so one pipsqueak could feel big and important. So what, cry the mystics, as the lifetime efforts of a thousand productive, innocent individuals are blown to bits every day without a back backward glance? So what if the troops roll across the country with military cadence and guns ablaze? So what if they level town after town, reducing a rubble and corpses all the values of beauty and life that took generations of productive effort to build an that is all the chanting religious automatons or splendid panzar divisions know how to do. To destroy in a moment, without a thought, all the values that producers labor, labored for lifetimes to build. Chanting mobs or marching troops never glance back, never think for a moment of the death and destruction they leave behind. So what? The mystics and neo-cheaters cry. So what if genocide happens in Russia, uh, Nazi Germany, Cuba, Cambodia, Red China, or in our land? I don't want to hear it to hell with the lifetime efforts of productive individu individuals. Save the snail darter. By using precious nuggets of poetical truth and spellbinding slogans, malefactors, demagogues, and neo-cheaters such as Hitler, FDR, Nader, Khomeini, Lincoln, Mao, Billy Graham, Pope, Paul, Jimmy Swaggart, Castro, Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., Jim Jones could smoothly, quickly subvert the objective concepts of justice, good, and love. And they often do that by manipulating words to sound good, just, or loving. Why? To promote their own rationalized schemes of higher causes. Some people use those poetic techniques to keep their rationality sounding valid and their unthinking followers grab the beautiful nuggets of truth and eagerly, sw eagle, e eagerly swallow them without thought or challenge. So there is just like here we go. Let's go from page 18. Here we go. Uh, Neotic advantage, number 13, sense of life. Sense of life is an integral part of everyone's subconscious philosophy and psychology. Every person has a fundamental view or sense of life. While usually existing on a subconscious level, a person's sense of life largely determines his or her major actions. Sense of life falls into two opposing categories. One, an objectively rational, self-interest, benevolent, individualistic sense of self that is characterized by A, the knowledge that conscious achievement is the highest value, B, the knowledge that the conscious mind is competent to know reality. Two, a mystically irrational, altruistic, malevolent, anti-individual sense of life characterized by A, the belief that non-man-made values, example, nature, the universe, the cosmos, and mystical values, example, God, the state, society, are superior to man-made values. B, the belief that the conscious mind is important to know reality. So there is just a large depth of all kinds of stuff in here, and as far as I know, I've, I mean, I maybe I need to do another deep dive on this, but as far as I know, um, as far as I know, they, I don't, I, I don't think the organization is around anymore unless they do, hold, maybe they, maybe they hold private seminars. It'd, it'd be just very intriguing to really see what is at the root of this. And perhaps that's what each of these huge tomes, I'm going to call them tomes. I reserve that word only for the books that are just huge. Huge, man. It is a tome. There are a bunch of these tomes, Neotech. And I'm surprised it didn't catch on more, or maybe it did, and I just don't know about it. Maybe there's an entire subculture out there uh, that's living in a town someplace. Some town out there is... Uh, is, you know, following these guidelines and uh, all this razzmatazz. Come on, guy, what are you doing? Come on, guy, come on, get out of there. What are you doing up there? No, no, no. He was up there in the, in the, in the, uh, in the sink. What is a cat doing in a sink? Man. Uh, I've just been alerted to a TV show called Shit's Creek which the best thing about it is Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. If it was just only the two of them, I would just be very excited. They, you know, they, they're like, I'm reading about these guys. It's so funny. I'm reading about these guys right now in this Chicago ensemble book, Eugene Levy and all those guys. 
Second City, all that razzmatazz. And uh, they're just very skilled improvisers. Skilled improvisers. Check out some of those Christopher Guest movies. If you've never seen This Is Spinal Tap, that's a great one. Check out Waiting for Guffman. That's where we first see, I mean, first, where I really first saw, uh, oh, Catherine O'Hara was in Beetlejuice. She was the mother in Beetlejuice. She's the mother in Beetlejuice. Uh, just awesome improv actress. Her and Eugene Levy have always acted off each other phenomenally. They usually play a husband and wife in um, in the in the Christopher Guest movies. But man, it is just so so cool to see to see that kind of uh acting going on. Uh so it's very, 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 very exciting. I've realized that you know, yes, it's it's important and it's exciting and it's it's good to be in the creative mode, to be creating. However, it's also good sometimes to just be in the receptive mode. It's good to be in that receptive mode, whether it's reading, whether it's just listening to intellectuals talk, listening to jazz. Mm. I still got to upload this episode of... Uh, Kajung from Monday. I've been having some strange computer situations here. Um, so, uh, I will talk to you later. Um, I'm going to get this up. Ideally, by the time you hear this podcast, this Kajung episode will be up. We're calling it Comedy Daggers. I was just thinking how some of these people, they bring their dogs to the restaurants or they, wherever they're going to the bookstores or whatnot. What about a guy who carries around his uh, octopus in a, in a little aquarium that he brings around with him from place to place? Or just set my, just set my, uh, I, I just set my octopus there. Warning, what you're about to hear is very graphic and erotic in nature. Please be advised. Louisiana's Finest, a Duck Dynasty fanfic, Chapter 1. Why can't Louisiana just pick a season and stick with it, instead of just flip-flopping from winter to winter and from summer to spring? I stood on the porch sipping my sweet tea and listening to the duck calls wailing in the fall air. I listened and started naming each in my head. Mallard. Wood duck. Gadwall. American black ducks. I heard a twig snap and swerved my head to the side, facing none other than the naughty Sadie Robertson. Your dad is gonna kill you, I said quietly before sipping my tea once more. I smiled as she fell while trying to climb up onto the porch fence and then walked over and helped my old friend up. Like you've never done it, Sadie Marie, she said to me, and she got up and dusted off her jeans. I smiled and poured her a glass of sweet tea. Lemon or no lemon? I asked, already knowing the answer. No lemon! We both said simultaneously. I had been friends with Sadie since we were in kindergarten and had realized that we had the same name. Ever since that day, when I went to her house and we fell in a mud hole together, we've been best friends. Now her family was practically my second family, and we did everything together. From vacations, to hunting, to church. We did it as a big happy family. Or should I say, a big happy 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 family. My mom came out on the porch and smiled at Sadie. My mom grabbed the tea jug and said, 
You know your dad gets cranky without his sweet tea? <laughs> she said with a chuckle. Sadie's eyes go wide and she grabs something from her bag. She handed my mom a tea glass with the Duck Commander logo on it. From our family to yours, the Robertson clan would like to wish Mr. Troy a happy 41st birthday. She said with genuine smile on her face as she handed my mom the blue tea glass that had a camo ribbon tied around it. My mom smiled and looked at the tea glass. My mom's dirty blonde hair sweeped to the side as the wind blew through her hair. Why don't you two come in and give it to him? Y'all don't need to get too many mosquito bites, she said as she ushered Sadie and me in. I walked over to my dad, who was sitting at the table eating deer chili. <laughs> my dad, Sadie, brought you something, I said, as she looked over at Sadie. Here you go, Mr. Troy. The Robertson clan wishes you a happy birthday, she said with a large smile as he took the tea glass. He looked at it and smiled up at Sadie. Thank you, Sadie Grace. He said, causing Sadie to huff. Hmm. He laughed at the nickname he had given her years ago. She still wasn't happy with it. I smiled, and Sadie and I went back outside with our tea. I looked out in the trees and saw a figure that was coming up from the woods. It wasn't only one figure, but seven figures. I watched as Mr. Willie, Uncle Cy, Mr. Phil, Mr. Jace... Cole and John Luke came walking up to my front porch. Sadie scabbled under the swing and I walked over to the edge and swung over the side. I landed and looked up to seven men in front of me. Hey y'all, I said as I opened the gate so they could come up to the porch. They said their hellos and Cy said his random outburst which made me laugh. <laughs> We climbed the stairs, and I yelled at my mom. Mom, get the tea! The Robertson men are here from a hunt! I said as my mom came out in her apron that was covered in flour. She brought out glasses, and I brought out the tea. I poured everyone glasses, and I also brought them some duck dumplings I made earlier. Well, Miss Sadie Marie, you outdid yourself again. One of you boys, he said, pointing to John, Luke, and Cole. Better grab her while you can. I laughed at the comment Papa Phil had said. I picked up everyone's plate and went into the kitchen where Sadie was hiding. Hey, you need to get out there, I said as I placed the plates in the sink. No, I'll get caught, she said as she squatted down to pick up a fork I had dropped. Say, you just pulled up to give my dad the present I said saying the truth as I started dragging Sadie outside before I could get through the door I tripped and Sadie went tumbling through the door of the porch I sat up and rubbed my arms John, Luke and Cole were soon there to help they grabbed our arms and picked us up with ease I looked down at my knees and saw the red liquid trickling down my legs John, Luke saw and helped me into the kitchen Let's get you all fixed up, he said as he helped me up onto the counter. He walked over to the first aid shelf and grabbed the band-aid. He placed it over the cut and wiped the dried blood off with a little tea from the jug. I looked into his brown eyes and he looked into my chocolate ones. We should go outside, I said before anything else happened. He helped me down and we hurried outside. He sat back and I sat on the swing. So, Sadie... Mr. Willie said, looking at Sadie, who was sitting beside me. Why were you at Sadie Marie's house? He asked, folding his arms around his chest. I was giving Mr. Troy his gift and asking Sadie if she wanted to spend the night. Mom said she could. She said, I nodded and looked at Sadie like, you didn't tell me that. I took the mule. She said as she pointed to the mule that was parked by the gate. Mr. Willie nodded and looked over at me. Are you spending the night, he asked, but not quit finish? 
We are going hunting in the morning if you want to come along, he said as I nodded and smiled. Sadie and I then ran up the stairs to my room and grabbed my camo bag that was lined with neon orange ribbon. Okay, so which pajamas, camo or duck, I asked Sadie. She thought and looked between the two. Camo, she said. I then proceeded to pack my camo under armor, boots, pants, vest, and my paint. I then grabbed my makeup, hair dryer, and flat iron. I had some other clothes at Sadie's house, so I finished by zipping it up. Guns, 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 I said as I walked outside and swung over the fence to get to the shed. I picked up my shotgun and my bow and arrows. John Luke, I said. He then appeared over the ledge. Catch! I said as I threw the guns and my bow over the railing, which he caught. I then proceeded to climb up the railing. John Luke backed away, and I swung my legs over the side. I grabbed my gun and placed it in my case that my dad had laid out for me. I packed my bow and arrows away. I handed the gun and the arrow-slash-bow case to John Luke. I swung my legs over the side of the railing with my bag, ready to jump down. "'Well, are you coming?' I asked as I ushered him over. He did the same, and we both went down to the ground. I walked over to the mule, with him trailing behind. "'New case, huh?' he asked as he placed it next to my bag. I nodded and looked over to him. He was looking up at the sky. I did the same and saw a small V in the sky. "'Geese,' I said as I looked at the ducks flying across the sky. I went over to the shed and grabbed my many different duck calls. I placed them in a box and carried them to the mule. I sat them down and heard a shout. "'John Luke! Sadie Marie! Time to get going, you two! I heard Jace yell. "'Yeah! Stop swapping spit, you two love ducks!' I heard Sai say. I laughed and started walking up until I heard another comment. "'Sai! It's love birds!' I heard Jace say. I laughed again. John Luke appeared at my side with a chuckle. We walked over and John Luke helped my climbed up the railing. I climbed over as if I was getting on a horse. John Luke followed and we appeared on the table. Okay, let's get going, said Willie. I walked over to my mom and dad and hugged them goodnight. I ran over to the railing as fast as I could, and thanks to my gymnastics classes when I was younger, I was able to do a trick. I landed but failed to stay planted on the ground. This caused me to tumble back into John Luke's arms. I blushed and jumped out of his arms. I brushed myself off and looked down at my Georgia boots. Thanks you, I said as I turned on my heels and walked over to the mule. I pleased my helmet on and looked over to see John Luke in looking at me. You're driving? He asked as he looked at me. Would you like Sadie to drive? I said loud enough for everyone to hear. I then heard Snickers and Sadie huffing. Hmm. I laughed and so did John Luke. I tossed him a helmet and gave one to Sadie who was sitting in the back. I stepped on the pedal and let the mud fly. Sadie almost died from all the sliding, and John Luke was just laughing his head off. I was just concentrating on where I was and if I was going the right way. And we're here, I said as I took off the helmet. Sadie got out and stubbled. John Luke did the same as me. I went to the back and grabbed my bags. I shoved the gun in John Luke's arms. Safe, I said with a smile. He smiled back and I laughed. I walk into the house after I took off my now muddy boots. I walk in the door and see Miss Corey bringing out some sweet tea. Hey Sadie Marie, would you like some sweet tea? She asked as she poured her a glass. Yes ma'am, thank you, I said as Sadie and John Luke followed. Miss Kay needs your help after y'all go hunting in the morning. Something about pie, she said with a smile as she looked up at me. Yes ma'am, we talked at church last Sunday, I said as I sipped on my tea. 
Will you three get ready for bed? Y'all are waking up early tomorrow morning about four. I smiled and thanked her for the tea. She soddy her welcomes, and we all went upstairs for bed. Oh, tomorrow is going to be great, I said as Sadie, and I got into the sleeping bags we had laid out on her floor. Yep, for you. I have to go babysit some kids from the church. Oh, that sucks for you, I say as I turn over to face the wall. Night, Sadie Grace, I said. Ha! Night, Sadie Marie, she said with a yawn. Continued in chapter two. Here's a fun one. Things are in motion. 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 Thank you so much, uh, sir, for sending that in to us, whoever you are. That, that was poetic, and I look forward to hearing more of these sonnets in the future, if not the near future, and if not that, the far future. Upside down, diagonalized, or corkscrewed. Uh, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I look forward to hearing more of that series. That, that episode was dynamite. The textures, the layers, the vocabulary, the grammar. Egads, man. You are a, a, a colorist. You are a colorist of language, of vocabulary. Dynamic vocabulary. Wow, man. Wow, man. I think the world is looking forward to more. I like the sound effects. That voice, um, whoever that voice actor is, I think he should do movie trailers, um, car commercials, you know, the narrator. I can imagine him being like one of those voices you hear in the airport telling you where to go. I can imagine... um, you know, like when you're walking around, some of these department stores, they'll have commercials for the department store within the um, within the store. So, um, the cats. Cats are yelling. Cats are yelling. It's tense in here. You can feel, feel the vibes of flowing. Kitty, kitty. Kitty, kitty, just wait right here. He's not trying to hurt you. That is Oliver who hissed. Hi. That's Zeke right there. Zeke is a trying to get through. Gonzo hissed. Marky has not yet hissed. However, I, I look forward to more of those. Uh, and I think I want to hear more from that voiceover actor. He's he's good. He could do cartoons. He could do... Uh, Heck, even if he was one of those tour guides at Universal Studios, he's just got a good voice. He's got a good voice. Cartoons, audiobooks, I mean, you name it. This guy, he's on a roll. So kudos to you, sir, and I hope soon you get an IMDb page for that audio work you've done. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's piping hot. As, as Coop would say, hot and... No. Uh, 
what they say? What they say? Good. And he goes, and he's, he takes a sip and he, and he spits it out. He goes, and hot. I think that was out in the uh, part of Twin Peaks when they're about to throw the rack. When he's about to throw the rack at the, at the uh, bottle, he tells Lucy, now Lucy, cross off any name. When I hit the bottle, you know, whatever. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, uh, I can't do it verbatim. Let's get some air, actually. Come on, let's hear some more. You know what I'm going to do? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I was thinking about this last night. The cat was purring. He, he purrs loud, Marky. He looks like Garfield. Imagine Garfield, a real life version of that. I always get a kick out of those cats because I, I love those comics growing up. Um, so I had this uh, epiphany last night. While Marky was purring, he purrs loud. So I thought, man, this would be great. This would be perfect. I could record the sounds from that and use those as the sounds in my upcoming uh, short films because I'm editing one right now. This is between you and me, all right? I recorded something with Polly, Polly Shores from Yachtly Crew, and uh, Baba Bowie. This is the second thing we recorded together outside of a venue. This one was before our show in Bakersfield, I believe. Yeah, it was Bakersfield. And... There's a new place that opened. The well, they're called the well, the new place that opened. Mm. So good. And I saw these pipes, these industrial looking things against the wall. And I thought, okay, Pauly, we're going to scope this out. What are some things we can imagine for the interplanetary escapee? What are some things he can do? I like shooting him from the back. I think it's a lot of fun. We don't, we don't really see too much of his face. We see bits, we see little bits. But uh, mostly it's just from the back. Because I like that Stanley Kubrick sort of astronaut look of his jacket. I think it's awesome. And the way that the light plays off it, kind of like, it's like. So he just ran around, did stuff. And then I directed him to do some stuff too. (laughs) Like, oh, try this, try that. And I'm editing that together. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm having a lot of fun. So what I'm thinking is if I record Marky <coughs> with his purring. Let's see if we can get it going here. Listen. Do you know who Garfield is? No, just like Marky. So you get the idea. Imagine that purr. If I slowed it down or if I did it reversed or I sped it up. Any of those things can be used as uh, interesting sounds. So I'm going to start doing more with the soundtrack with just my just just sounds I'm making with my mouth. And uh, and see how that works. Because... Uh, Right now I'm taking the sounds that are already within video, the Video Leap app that I'm using on my cell phone. I'm taking those sounds that are already in there uh, and just playing with them, playing with them. The sound of laughter, the sound of chickens, the sound of people uh, laughing. The sound of, what did I put in there the other day? Oh, birds. Got birds. I got birds. Uh, Ringing doorbells. um, Ringing telephones. All kinds of interesting sounds. So, I've I've been uh, utilizing them. And man, it's been great. It's been great too. Plus some of the stock images that they got in there. They got a lot of videos. You could search through uh, Pixeloop. Video Leap has their own. If you want to buy the pro version, then you search through something else. Just a, just a phenomenal app. Phenomenal app for editing movies. 
and if you shot in 4K, they will export it in 4K for you. They'll, they'll export it 24 frames per second if you want. That's what I like to do. I like to make it look like film. I like to make it look like film because it's, uh, because it's just, I like that aesthetic. That's a new word you might hear me starting to use more often is this aesthetic, aesthetic, A-E, aesthetic, aesthetic, A-E, you know, that, that implies like, um, like sometimes people will spell the word ether with A-E-T-H-E-R, like ether, ether. And uh, maybe that's what that is. It's like fr- it's something from the ether. Something eth wait aesthetic 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 and aesthetic a a e s t h e t i c a e. So if it's okay, ether. If it's aether aether eth aesthetic 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 aesthetic. Is that the way you're supposed to say it? Ether, ether, aesthetic, aesthetic. It's like saying "I." It really is. I, eth, I, a, eth, ether, aesthetic, aesthetic. There you go. I think we've figured it out. I think we've cracked the code. A code to man, I'll tell you, a code to a combo that we didn't even know that we wanted to unlock. Isn't it the most exciting thing when you have an epiphany? Pish! It's just the best thing in the world, isn't it? It's a revelation. It's the lightning. It's the lightning, man. That moment where you realize, holy moly. It's like finding the... uh, It's like solving a math equation. It's that joy. It's the solving of a puzzle. It's the feeling of putting together the puzzle. It's like, wow. Wouldn't that be interesting if the way that we were to reframe our brains into the things that we want in life, the things that excite us the most, it's just there already. So imagine it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. You're the puzzle-mentarian, folks, puzzle-mentarian. This is a phrase uh, I coined many a moon ago, probably in 2005, I'd say, near then, maybe 2003, uh, when I was following the uh, Andy Kaufman stuff. So anyway... You're a puzzlementarian. You're the puzzlementarian. You put that you made the puzzle. Your your higher mind, your grand higher mind, made the puzzle for you. Because uh, it knew you would feel this wonderful victory for earning. You know, you feel that when you earn, you feel like you really, really earned it. It's a satisfying meal, comfort food. Mmm, macaroni and cheese. Mmm. French fries, mm, mashed potatoes, mmm. What are your comfort foods? It's that satisfaction of solving the puzzle of when it goes, key master, gatekeeper, combo maker, combo breaker, combo solver, combo inventor, combo solver. Huh. So, hmm. Okay, that has cooled off just a smidgen, and it's great. I think it's great. So I thought it'd be great. I, I record this out of the kit. This one. Oh my gosh, listen to this. Hey, Google. Hey, Google, what is censorship? of speech, public communication, or other information on the basis that such material is considered objectionable, harmful, sensitive, or inconvenient. Facebook put me in a digital prison the other day for three days. Could not post, could not like, could not comment, only could look and observe It was as if I was in a digital prison. No, correction, I was in a digital prison. Could only look through the bars and observe all the virtual reality happening in Facebook. Thank you, Inspirato. 
It's Superhero, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto.